Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome back to the Forza Italian Football Podcast. It's a new year, as I've referred to already, but unfortunately, we have the same old team here. I'm your host, Connor Clancy. Returning to join me again this week is Vito Doria. Vito, welcome back. Yeah, thank you, Connor. Just want to wish you and all of our listeners a happy new year. Let's hope that it's another exciting year of uh, culture. Yeah, well, as we will get on to, it has a tough act to follow in what... 2017 gifted us which was to be fair a really good year of football and also returning after going AWOL last time I've just to remember that now is Nicholas Carroll featuring extra surround sound Nick hello hello everyone just thought I'd give this uh, podcast a little little pizzazz in the background I'm here at a McDonald's so I've got some nice background noise for everyone so my apologies in advance. Um, I'll try and mute myself as much as possible. But uh, good to be here. Uh, Happy New Year to everyone. And, yeah, a lot of people to talk about. It's been a pretty good year. It has. Okay. Um, right, so, yeah, this podcast is going to be a little bit different to the usual ones because we're recording it because of the way the New Year fell. The Serie A fixtures were all played on Saturday, so we're a day behind. So we're just going to look back on the season so far and 2017 as a whole really rather than looking at the last round of fixtures so we've reached the midway point in Serie A and Napoli are the winter champions Nick you're a big Marek Hamsik fan he's found his shooting boots at the right time do you think he can now step up and be a huge player for Napoli for the rest of the season um, I, I, don't, I don't think there's any need for Marek Hamsik to step up I think he's been there the whole time so um, of course, it's good for him to be scoring goals, but um, you know, I think I've like, had this discussion before that his, his value in that team is just uh, immeasurable. Uh, and then you add the goals in as a manager. Um, yeah, he's unbelievable. Um, it's been good to see him uh, break that record of recent times. And yeah, if, if Napoli are going to win the title, he's 
obviously going to need to have a big part of that. And one point lead, but I still think it's possible. I'll, I'm going to stick with my you know, my tip for them to win. Um, it's going to come down to could be really close, particularly with Juve um, in the Champions League. That seems like that might be a key figure in this, where Napoli in the Europa League, you'd have to think based on how they approach the Champions League, they're not going to give it too much of a priority. So don't, I'm sure Sari will be focused uh, quite strongly on the domestic league and, yeah, down in the top spot. Well, let's hope they can push on a bit. Um, Nick, maybe just try hold the mic a little bit close to your mouth when you're speaking because the McDonald's staff aren't cooperating. But Vito, Rizzo Sarri said something interesting that Napoli are now capable of winning 1-0, which in previous seasons they weren't able to do. We saw it again at the weekend. They ground out the result. Are they actually going to break this curse that Juventus have cast over Serie A this season? If they don't have too many issues with injuries and the suspensions, it should still be probable. Although in the game against Crotone, they did have a few chances to extend that lead and Alex Cordas managed to pull off some excellent saves, I think at least mentally that knowing that they only won 1-0 means that they don't uh, have this idea of bottling such a close lead that they can hold on and... In games like that, they can accept the result, be happy with the three points, and that's it. So, Napoli don't always have to go out and score as many goals as possible. They can just do enough for win in some games and be happy with that. Um, Like Nick, I predicted Napoli to win the league, and I am going to stick with that. But I have to confess, in recent weeks, just seeing this steam train of Juventus powering through everything that's been thrown at them. There is something of a, an increasing sense of inevitability in my mind anyway, that Juventus are just going to ruin this on everyone again, aren't they? Nick, I'll come to you and then Vito, I'll get your thoughts on this too, but Nick, fire away. Yeah, uh, particularly those matches where they play the Roma and Napoli, Inter, um, Obviously, Roma is probably the one that put up the best fight, to be honest. Um, but Inter, they completely outplayed uh, Napoli, likewise, I think. So I think I think I said a comment after those games that they showed that they were, you know, quite uh, clearly still the best team in Serie A. Uh, it's whether they can be consistent enough in the league uh, for the rest of the season that I guess, decide whether they finish top of the table or not. So they are, I think it's hard to, hard to say that they're not the best team anymore. It's, uh, but I will say they, I think there is clearly a decline in the team from the heights of last season. That's like... Yeah, Vito, I'll actually go to you for a bit of a different take. Paolo de Bala was dropped, whatever you want to say, but he, he wasn't selected in recent weeks. He came back and he was the key player as they they themselves kind of ground out that win against Verona, it should be said. But is this a case of perfect man management from Allegri and does he deserve credit? Hmm. Yeah, I'm a bit mixed about that one. I'll be honest. I wouldn't see it as great man management from Allegri because I just get this impression that... Um, Allegri, okay, he plays Dybala and all that, but 
sometimes I don't see that the relationship, at least from the outside looking in, is that fantastic. There have been one or two occasions throughout Dybala's career at Juventus where he doesn't shake Allegri's hand when he comes off the field. So I think uh, what we saw, at least based on the game against Verona on the weekend, is that he can turn a game around and probably that time on the bench probably put a bit of fire or a bit of spark inside of Dybala's head and he just went out there to show that he's a match winner and he's got great qualities. The other thing too is that Allegri's moving away from the 4-2-3-1 and moving towards more of a Christmas tree formation or the 4-3-3. So I think from a tactical perspective, that's probably affected Dybala somewhat. So I'll see what happens in 2018 if Allegri sticks with that formation and Dybala can be accommodated in it. Otherwise, at least Dybala can turn the game around when it's needed, when he's needed. Right, Vito, if we're going to reflect on Juventus' season so far, then they're 19 games in, surprisingly for them, in second place. Uh, 15 wins, two draws and two defeats. 47 points, one behind the league leaders and winter champions Napoli. How do you think they'll be feeling about their season so far? Well, they don't want to be um, below anyone, to be honest. But I think with their experience and their track record, they will still feel confident that they can still challenge for the Scudetto and win it. So I think probably inside the club, I don't think they've got much to worry about. If anything, it's the other teams like Napoli, Inter and possibly Roma feeling a bit more nervous or concerned because they've either got a make-up ground or in the case of Napoli, they've got to try and stay at the top, but it's not something that they're used to. So it's a new experience. In this case, this is where you're going to be in a great position and going to have a great advantage because they're used to those moments. But we'll see what happens. But you'll uh, definitely have a lot of things going their way. Right, Nick, the same question to you, but for Napoli, really. It's difficult for them to be anything other than absolutely delighted with their position at the halfway point. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, particularly when you've got the, some... Uh, injuries that have happened, obviously, after Josh Milley um, and Kisai, uh, which is uh, uh, sorry, um, Gulam, um, so it's it hasn't been optimal for them, but they're doing a, they're doing what they need to do. Um, Champions League wasn't obviously the best result, but I think it's fair to say that you could question their motivations. Uh, for that going into it, particularly those first couple of games, they didn't really seem like they were there um, in the mindset, let's say. So, yeah, no, it's a good position, but it is almost like a matter of just, like, clinging on to that spot as hard as possible. And um, Allegri's comments are interesting that they're waiting for them to slip out. Um, and if you look at their fixtures for the next uh, few weeks or the next month, um, it's going to be... Um, oh, there's some copy being made. Yeah. <laughs> Good timing. <laughs> um, yeah, it's going to be the next month or so. Both teams actually have um, quite, uh, let's say, favourable uh, fixtures in Serie A. So they both should be uh, getting near close to maximum points. So 
it's really going to come later in the season. And actually, Juventus play uh, the last five weeks in Serie A play uh, Napoli, Roma, and Inter in those five weeks. So Juventus have a tough run home, which again is could be a big advantage for Napoli. Um, so yeah, it's again it's going to depend a lot on what happens in Europe as well. So there's so much kind of variables around. So which makes for a more interesting run to the final. So hopefully we can keep that race going until the final week. Yeah, the Roma and Inter games will be away as well, won't they? I think they both went to Turin already this season. All right, um, we'll keep going through the, this club by club, I guess. I was going to go to Nick for Inter, but Vito, I'll go to you because we know what Nick thinks about Inter season and their objectives. So Inter, right Given where they were two weeks ago and where they are now, they'll probably be disappointed. But if you were to offer them third place at the beginning of the season, come the the winter, they're the midway point rather, they would have taken it, right? So surely they'll be happy with this. They should be, especially with the struggles that they've had since they won the treble in 2010. This is looking quite promising. And if we compare this to where Inter were two years ago, they were in a similar position. But if, but my belief is that I reckon they can hold on. Unlike two years ago, I thought Mancini in 2015-2016 was too conservative, whereas Spalletti, okay, he's on the conservative side too, but I do think that uh, the team is still playing much better than under Mancini and the more confident, a uh, little bit more confident on the ball, but they still need work when the in the attacking phase of the game. So I reckon Interisti should be happy with the results so far and despite the recent slip-ups, I think they can hold on as long as they do make the right choices during the transfer window this month, especially if they do go for a trequartista because that's what they really need extra creativity in the middle of the park I would agree with that Nick I will get your thoughts here would you agree with Vito's assessment he wrote about it recently that their big gap in the squad was that they needed someone to play in that number 10 the trequartista role is that where you see Inter's weakness being? Yeah for sure Um, Gian Mario has had his ups and downs in that position and he seemed to be out of favour of late. Um, Bota Valera has probably been the best in that role. Um, obviously, he can play in that more defensive role, but he seems to be the best option and Spalletti's favourite option. And to be honest, on the ball, he looks the, the most likely to create something. Uh, you even saw that on the weekend as well, once again. So um, it, there's definitely a, a, a hole there. Um, it's finding the right player for it and it's such a tough position to fill so in that sense I, I wouldn't want him to, to rush out and buy you know fork out 20 mil or 30 mil on someone in a January transfer if it's not the right player it is really a position where it needs to be properly calculated and the right player is brought in so um, I can't see that happening this January um, We'll see what happens. I don't know. But, um, but yeah, otherwise, yeah, um, it's from an inter fan point of view and from an objective point of view, I guess, yeah, it's, it's been a good uh, end to 2017 in terms of the first part of the 17-18 season. Uh, if they can hold this kind of position, then um, that's, that's 
hundred percent a success. Champions League remaining the goal of this. Yeah, I do think Spalletti deserves a lot of credit, and he is getting credit, but. He's managed to make a defence that at times has had Yuto Nagatomo and Andrea Vernocchi in it look more than competent, which is some feat, really. Vito, back to you from Milan, then. <laughs> it's pretty fair to say that their season hasn't gone to plan. They were realistically aiming for a Champions League top four finish this year, but at the moment, 19 games in, they have lost more games than they've won, and they're 11th in the table with just 25 points. Um, we've spoken about Milan a lot, but I suppose it's a, it's a stupid question to ask, will they be pleased with their season so far? But from here, what constitutes success for them? Do they just need to focus on getting back into the Europa League again? They need to get into the Europa League to sort of save face, but at the moment it looks very unrealistic because as we've discussed Gattuso does not look like a good option for AC Milan as coach. And it was more or less an appointment just for the sake of getting that interim manager or stopgap manager. But I don't feel confident based on current form that they can make that big jump to climb a few places and get back into Europe. Uh, It doesn't seem like they're going to invest in January and I don't think that will make much of a difference because from the outside looking and it seems like there's more than just on-field problems. At least uh, we can uh, guarantee now that uh, Vincenzo Montella can't come back because he's now signed for Sevilla in La Liga. So it looks like Casey Milan will probably have to stick with Gattuso or now that Montella's gone, at least if they don't make Gattuso back to the Primavera squad, they can get another coach to replace Gattuso and take on the senior old but. It's going to be a huge task because everything, you know, from off-field performance and on-field results, uh, there's not a lot of positives to take out aside from the development of Patrick Cotrone, who's been pretty good when he does get the chance to play. Yeah, I I do really like Cotrone, but I was really expecting to see Montella make a comeback this season. But as you said, he's, he's taking another job now, so that won't be happening. But Nick, do you think... Will Gattuso even get the rest of the season? Because he's not a good coach, is he? Uh, no, he, well, his record doesn't say that. And he admitted himself, I think, at once that he might be the, the worst coach in Serie A a couple of weeks ago. Um, so, honestly, the, the management of the club has been, considering the investment that's come in, and we could say there's some questions around that even with the ownership, but... The management of the club this season particularly has been just shocking. It's been a shambles. Um, and I guess it's more disappointing the fact that we saw the same stuff happen with Inter. And they, Inter provided the perfect example of what not to do. And it seems like Milan are hell-bent on following exactly uh, what the Nerazzurri have done. So... Um, Montella, um, I've, I've been no... Um, I've made no secret that I thought he deserved to stay um, at least till January. And I would I would put the question out there that everyone that was calling for Montella to be sacked, if they're happy now, um, uh, have you really got what you wanted out of that? Like, I, I never saw what the, the, the benefit of doing that was. And still now, um, I mean, 
honestly, it's just getting worse. Um, there's been no improvements. There's been no changes, no major changes. I mean, other than, you know, installing a back four at times. But um, in terms of results, it's the same stuff. Uh, sure, creating a lot of chances, but not finishing them. Exactly uh, the same as under Montella. Uh, Andrea Silva still struggles to get any game time. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what what they're doing. And the, the really disappointing thing for Milan fans is that, for me, anything below Champions League is still going to be a massive failure for that team when we consider how much they spent. And the financial implications for the club by missing the Champions League, by not getting that extra investment, could be quite significant. So it's it doesn't bode well for the, the short-term future of Milan. Um, so, I don't know. I, I hope, you know, I'm, I'm a big supporter of both Milan teams going well because the Serie A generally goes well when the Milan Giants are at the top of their game. But um, Milan, for the amount of investment, it's just, yeah, it's a bit of a shambles at the moment, unfortunately. Yeah, I think, Vito, if if you were a Milan fan, you were to write a New Year's resolution for your club, any idea what it would be? Just stop changing everything at every chance, maybe? Yeah, that would be a good one. And also more stability on and off the field because that's what's really lacking there, stability. No clarity, lack of organisation, you name it. No spirit, no no real belief that they can uh, return to the glory days. And the know-how is missing too, which is sad because AC Milan at the heart of the power, especially in the 80s and 90s, were the envy of Italy and the world. They were a club that really set the benchmark. And to be like this, you don't have to be an AC Milan fan, but... If you're neutral and you love Italian football, uh, you don't want to see a club with such a rich history uh, be in such a sad state. You know, that's the thing. They do need stability, but they might not even be afforded the opportunity for stability this summer because if they don't get into the Champions League, which, let's be honest, they're not going to, they might have to sell off a lot of their players. That They're going to be getting a new coach in because Gattuso is not going to be there this time next year. Um, and they might have a whole new team again. So they're starting from scratch, but at a worse position that they started this season. So their problems are far from over. Whereas in the summer, I was one of those who was stupid enough to think that they had turned the corner and they'd actually be finishing comfortably in the top three this season. But it could be another while yet. I guess we'll go south then to the, to the capital and Roma, who it's hard to really work out whether they'll be delighted or what with their season so far because they did finish second last season, right? And they're fourth at the moment, two points clear of Lazio in fifth and two behind Inter in third, but they do have a game in hand over Inter. But given the amount of change that happened there this summer, Nick, Roma should be pretty pleased with themselves. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. 
United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, 100%. Um, particularly, yeah, I, I mean, you kind of said it all there. Um, when you consider the changes over the offseason, um, the players they lost, Mohamed Salah particularly, um, who was so important to their attack last season, um, Antonio Rudiger in defence, obviously Totti leaving the club would have been a huge culture shock almost in itself. Um and then, yeah, the coaching change. You said we had Francesco. Everything was against Roma going into the season. And um, while, uh, while, um, <clears throat> sorry, while they finished second uh, last season, I think they'll be. They won't make a, much noise about it, but they'll be pleasantly surprised. But they'll keep it quiet, no doubt. Um, and then you got the Champions League. You can't forget that. Which um, their performance in that was. Um, quite incredible um, to make it through. So, um, yeah, I'm pleasantly surprised. I don't think I can uh, say more than that. Vito, your thoughts? Uh, Vito, just watch your mic is still on mute there. Thank you, Connor. Well, I do agree with Nick that I don't think Roma can be too disappointed with the way things have gone so far. And also, although at the moment they're in fourth place, I still think that they're in a good position only because they've got that game in hand and also they're more contenders for the title this season. So in that aspect, they're still in it. I don't think they can win the Scudetto, but Di Francesco has made that team competitive and they're a bit more resilient than what they have been in previous years. Also, the other thing too, compared to what other coaches did, Di Francesco has managed to get them to perform well in the Champions League, like Nick mentioned earlier. So for them to perform well in the Champions League is a very positive sign for the Romanisti. So hopefully they don't suffer any humiliating losses like in previous seasons. And they, you know, even if they don't win too many games from this stage on, at least they can be competitive and put up a good fight in the Champions League fixtures. Yeah, we won't discuss Lazio, but maybe just a quick nod to them from me at least. They're fifth and they impressed last season as well. They narrowly missed out on fourth place to Atalanta. 
But I think Simone Inzaghi deserves a lot of credit for the work he's done there. And they're still within, in with a shout of getting the Champions League places. They'll probably be involved right until the end with Roma and Inter as well. So Lazio should be happy enough. And then as a, if you're looking at Serie A as a neutral, the next bunch of teams are keeping things exciting for you as well because you've got Sampdoria, Udinese, Fiorentina, Atalanta, Torino, who could all realistically challenge for the Europa League places as well. So it is going to be an exciting end to the season again with hopefully the added excitement of an actual title race for once, which is obviously more than welcomed. Right, guys, we'll move on and open it. You just wanted to dance. That's fair. Okay. Don't do that again, please. Right. So I'm going to ask you a few questions. You can answer this with either uh, an answer from the season so far or 2017 as a whole or both, whatever you want, really. So standout player in Serie A for the last six or 12 months. Nick, you can go first. Um, standout player for me is uh, Paolo Dybala, I have to say. Um, even at times when um, his kind of goal-scoring form has fell out uh, a little bit, um, he's just on the ball. He's just incredibly dangerous at all times. And even if he's not putting them in himself or, or even touching the ball, um, his presence in that final third provides so much space for those around him. He's, he truly is going to be uh, a phenomenon. Um, he'll be one of the best in the world for the next generation. So um, can only hope that uh, he stays in Serie A for as long as possible. But um, yeah, he's uh, been I was, amazing for me. I, I was tempted to go to Bala, but I still think he has that next gear to click into. So I'll save him for 2018. Vito, have you got someone for this? If we were just to base this on pure consistency, uh, I would say Chiro Immobile because he is scoring a lot of goals for Lazio. And although he's not, he hasn't been doing it a lot for the national team, but based on Serie A, I think he deserves more plaudits than he gets. And he's a big part of Inzaghi's team. So I will give it to him. In saying that, um, there are players like Dybala and Dries Mertens who have been outstanding. I think when it comes to peak output or peak performance, I think they have been better than Chiro Immobile, even Rajanongalan in the Roma midfield. But uh, I think if you look at the statistics, I think Immobile um, deserves uh, credit and deserves uh, respect and praise based on what he's done in 2017. Yeah, I'm glad you've mentioned Immobile actually because I thought one of you might and I wasn't going to because of that. But Nick, you remember we were at the the Coppa Italia semi-final, the derby back in, what was it? It must be April now. And Immobile was excellent, in excellent form then. And he had been for some time. So he's just carried that right through the year. And this is a guy who had been kind of written off as a top-level striker, but he's fighting as hard as he can to get back into those conversations. But I'm going to go with someone. Well, I'm not going to go with, I think you guys know who I'm going to go for eventually. But someone who... I am going to mention is someone who has probably slipped under the radar a bit. And that kind of says a lot about the work he does. And it's Sammy Kadera because he's come into this Juventus team and he's just been perfect. He rarely puts a foot wrong. He steps up when he's needed to. And he's just a consistent seven, seven and a half out of 10 every single week. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for that because he came over and I, 
I think he got injured pretty much as soon as he signed for Juventus. So he wasn't going to have the easiest settling in period. But whenever he plays, he's just, well, I'm not going to say flawless, but he's pretty good. But my man of the year is obviously Papa Gomez. I don't think you guys can really argue with me too much on that. Well, he's a difference maker for Atalanta. So uh, there are guys who can carry a team or coaches can build a team around them. And as good as Gasparini's tactics and his system is, uh, Papu Gomez is a huge difference maker for La Dea. So um, he deserves a lot of praise and credit for the way he has performed in 2017 and also so far this season too. Sammy Kadira. Yeah, what's your problem? Wow, that's look, I hundred percent agree with Papu Gomez, but Sammy Kadira, I just I honestly think in previous seasons, well, particularly uh season before, let's say 2016, um, he's been quite consistently their rock, as you mentioned. But I really think um this last, you know, maybe six to eight months, he's just dropped off. I just don't see his presence as strong anymore in the midfield and particularly in the big games. You look at against in the Champions League final um, against Barcelona, it was that midfield area where Juventus really dropped. And I don't think Kadira's kind of been the player he was since then, even in Serie A. I think he's been poor at times. So, See, uh, this, is, this will be the problem with the discussing things as a calendar year in football because, as you said, for the first six months, Kadira was excellent. He was big in that Champions League run. And to blame Juventus' midfield for what happened in that Champions League final, given what has come out about Benucci, Dani Alves, and I think Barzagli got involved as well, I think is a bit harsh. But we'll move on to the best coach of the year, and there's definitely a few candidates for this. Um, Gasparini got the official Serie A one, but Vito, do you have any other names to throw forward? You can say Maurizio Sarri for keeping Napoli in the battle for the total race, making them uh, Champions League regulars and also playing the beautiful football that they do. Also working with a team that on paper is inferior to Juve's. So uh, he deserves plaudits for that. But I think Gasparini was a worthy winner to, to get them into the Europa League and it's the first time in 26 years that they had qualified for Europe. That's an outstanding achievement. They play good football, and he's using the Youth Academy products, and I reckon that was one thing that was really missing from Atalanta, that the youth team players do get chances here and there, but to really turn it into real production line and to really be consistent players and outstanding players, that's uh, that deserves a lot of... Uh, praise and I'm saying it a lot on this podcast but particularly with uh, Gasparini he does deserve plaudits for what he's done with Atalanta because we have not seen that in uh, recent history from them yeah I, I will throw forward the name Marco Giampello as well just because he's done an excellent job at Sampdoria we're seeing that this season I know they're kind of suffering a bit in recent weeks but he is he's got Sam playing good football with a lot of young relatively unknown players but I think Gasparini, the job he's done is remarkable. Nick, are you going to fight for Spalletti? Uh, no, not particularly. Um, I, but to be honest, I think Serie A has shown, again, or even Italy has shown, that the coaches um, the country is producing are just um, far beyond any other country. That's 
um, the coaches you've mentioned already, um, and then Luciano Spalletti obviously has done a remarkable job at Inter to turn them around, change the culture in such a short time. Uh, Eusebio Di Francesco, I'll kind of, because I know, you know, Gasparin is the obvious one, but I wanted to really highlight Di Francesco. We've already kind of discussed his effort for what he's done to come in as a relatively young coach and to come in to that Roma team and really take charge to earn the players' trust and to just be consistent. Um, they have the, the best defence, I believe, in uh, Serie A skill at the moment. They don't score always the uh, most amount of goals, but they're just a solid, consistent team, and that's exactly what a team like that needs, something to build up, and he's done that. He's done that while getting through a Champions League group with Chelsea and Atletico Madrid. It's um, unbelievable, uh, you know, near unbelievable what he's done. And then I guess you could say the unbelievable was achieved by Gianpiero Gasparini because mm. yeah, we all know what he's achieved. Yeah, look, I, I don't think it's right to move through this question, Vito, without even discussing Maurizio Sarri properly because we seem to discuss the football he has Napoli playing every other week on this podcast. So for us to talk about how good the coaching in Serie A is and not give him some love wouldn't be fair. So do you want to do the honours? Well, as I did mention, he was uh, he's still doing a great job there, but um, <laughs> we could end up just repeating ourselves. But Sarri, uh, I would really love him to win the Scudetto with Napoli. I think he can really change Italian football if they win the Scudetto because his teams... They press a lot, which is something that's common in modern football now. They play in a 4-3-3. Uh, the team looks really balanced, you know. And a lot of players are confident on the ball. Even someone like Allen, who's a box-to-box midfielder or a workhorse midfielder, he's confident on the ball. So to have 11 players who are confident in passing the ball around, playing the triangles, moving the ball at a high tempo... It's really a delight to watch. And since he turned Dries Mertens into a false nine, it's just made them more fluid, a better team aesthetically to watch. And I think uh, they're providing a great advert for Italian football. And a lot of it is due to Sarri. Uh, De Laurentiis has been a fantastic president for Napoli, but employing Sarri as coach has really increased the value of the squad. It's ideal for Italy to have a team like Napoli playing the way they do because you've got to bring in the neutrals. Uh, we've got to try and bring in new fans to Serie A after about a decade of darkness since Calciopoli and also the drop of the national team. So if Napoli keep going the way they do and they win in style, I think uh, it's great that we can get more fans to appreciate Italian football for what it is. And um, Sarri really deserves a lot of credit for that if he does get the big prize. Yeah, I think it's probably fair to say that, well, obviously when Napoli last won the Scudetto, Diego Maradona was the iconic figure in that team. And if you look at this team now, they've got some very good players. Mertens gets a lot of headlines. Hamsik obviously gets loads of headlines. But the real probably the the person that they cannot afford to lose the most is probably Maurizio Sarri. Because if he goes, they don't play this football. They probably don't get some of the results that they've been getting. And yeah, maybe if Napoli win the Scudetto this season, he will be the name remembered most. 
This is well, a question. Put it this way. Go on. I was just going to quickly say, put it this way. Maradona was the star of that team in the 80s and the 90s, but do many people remember the coaches? I know about the history of the game, so I know that it's Ottavio Bianchi and Ricardo Bigon, or Alberto Bigon, sorry, Ricardo's father. But not many people will remember them. It's about the players in that team, whereas this team, if they win something, Sadi's going to come first and the players are second. He's already got his flag in the Curva B as well, which is nice to see. So um, there's going to be plenty more of those if they do win the Scudetto this season. Next question is one I'm really looking forward to because I've got a few and they're not all based on my personal bias, but it's the best moment of 2017 in Serie A. Nick, you've been uncharacteristically quiet for a couple of minutes, so you can kick things off. For me, I think um, I can't go past Cortone's survival uh, for last season. Um, to see them go uh, from the start of April to, I think, including the first match in May, they scored the most points in the league, equal with Napoli. That was 14 points over that period. More than Roma, Lazio, Juventus, Inter. Um, it really made it an, 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 a near impossible feat um, achieved. And then for it to go down to that last week where we saw Palermo um, defeat Empoli and then uh, Cotone managed to get that 3-1 win over Lazio. Um, just unbelievable. It was something that halfway through the season, I mean, almost two-thirds of the season, um, most people had written them off as guaranteed um, relegation so um, yeah amazing what Davide and Nicola has uh, had done uh, I guess disappointing to see to have seen him gone in December but um, yeah that, for me that was a yeah unbelievable highlight if you're talking about um, particular results or particular outcomes I reckon uh, the survival campaign of Crotone's uh, Definitely up there, so I agree with Nick on that one. If I had to pick one specific moment for the calendar year of 2017, uh, I would have to say Alberto Brignoli's goal for Benavento to give the uh, Strege the first ever Serie A point. I mean, for a goalkeeper to score with a diving header like that in the last minute is just absolutely remarkable, and especially from a team on the bottom of the ladder, it was just mind-boggling. And just a quick one here, for those listeners who haven't worked out, um, I am of Italian heritage, but I do live in Melbourne, Australia, and I was born here in Australia, and it made the national news in Australia in the sports report. So if a small team from Italy can make a news report in Australia, uh, such as Channel 10 and Channel 7, and Channel 7 do not want to give uh, football or soccer much coverage, uh, if you can make the news there, then that's got to be a really phenomenal and outstanding moment because it was really something out of the ordinary. Yeah, Benevento have been quite fun. Um, I've also got them actually getting their first win down as one because there was something almost beautiful about them playing everybody in Serie A and not winning until the very, very last round or last game of the first round of fixtures when Kievo charitably showed up and gifted them three points. But um, there's another one, a, a big one, a big thing that happened this year was the retirement of Francesco Totti. And 
we couldn't really call ourselves an Italian football podcast and not discuss that. But we discussed it a lot at the time, so I'm not sure if we'll go into our favourite Totti moments or anything, but that's just a guy whose who's impact on his team, everybody who grew up watching him, his city, cannot be understated. And he is one of those permanent icons of the game. You see the number 10, even if it's not in a footballing context, Francesco Totti nearly comes into your head. He's just such a big character within football and he is still missed. And if he was in this Roma team, probably wouldn't be doing quite as well, but it's a shame that he's not involved. And that's probably going to be the case for as long as I am supporting football, to be honest. Um, If you guys will allow me a couple of personal selfish ones, being at the Atlanta Milan game back in May when they clinched European football and just singing in the streets until the early hours in the morning was fantastic. And then getting over to a couple of the Europa League games and seeing them beat Everton 5-1 in Liverpool was one of the best football experiences I've had. Um, Nick, do you want to throw out any more before we move things on? Uh, no, nah, I think we've got most of them. Um, I will say, again, it's probably more on a personal level, but um, being in that um, the San Paolo Stadium when um, for Higuain's return, uh, earlier in 2017, the noise, um, the noise that we um, heard there was just, um, yeah, something I'll probably never hear again. It was incredible, and um, yeah, and we, uh, I, I was disappointed that you didn't mention, but um, obviously us sharing a bed earlier in the, <laughs> the season was uh, was a pleasant time uh, for me, and uh, something I look back on fondly because we've not mentioned that on the podcast enough already. Uh, no, meeting you was good. Vito, I'm yet to meet you, but uh, I, I since went and spent a week in Nick's house. So, hmm. oh, look at this. We've got a comment. Well, I'm meeting Nick boom. today. You're meeting Nick today? What? Yeah, we're meeting Nick face-to-face today after this. How am I only being... Guys, this is news that you kind of have to tell me. I'm... <laughs> That's nice. Um, um, should be good. Should be fun. I'm thrown by that. Yeah. Um, Aaron Holland has come in and he's a regular commenter and says, Baila como a papu, which is obviously one of the standout moments of 2017. That fantastic music video. But at the time, Mario Mandzukic's goal in the Champions League final was potentially one of the biggest moments of the football year because that was one of the best Champions League final goals of all time. But it's not remembered because of what happened after halftime. Um, right, last bit of business then. We're going to name our preferred or standout Serie A 11s then. I'll get the ball rolling. In, I've gone for a 3-4-3 formation. And in goal, I've gone with Alex Cordaz because I don't think Cortani would have stayed up last season without him. And he proved against Napoli at the weekend that he's still doing a pretty good job for them. I've gone for a back three of Milan Skriniar, Kaladu Koulibaly and Andrea Maziello from Atalanta. I know Opta went for Caldara in theirs, but I think Maziello is, if he wasn't caught up in what he was caught up in a few years ago, he would be in a much better position in his career by now. A midfield four, which is quite attacking. I've gone for Jose Callahan on the right, Papu Gomez on the left. Mark Hamsik in the middle with, I couldn't split these two. Uh, Sammy Kadira and Lucas Torreira as the other midfielder. So I might get back to that depending on who you guys have put in. And then front three of Dries Mertens, Mero Icardi and 
maybe a surprise one in Fabio Quagliarella because he's got 12 goals and five assists in 18 games this season, which is good enough as it is. But he was also pretty decent last season, Vito, I'm sure you will attest to. But I think the biggest thing for me this year was that the issues about his stalker obviously came out in January or February. And it seemed like that was just such a weight off his shoulders and he hasn't looked back since. So I think Quagliarella deserves a mention in this team. Vito, you can go with yours next. Okay, well, I'm going to change my lineup to something different after what I had sent you guys earlier. So with my team, well, I'm going to stick with uh, Gianluigi Buffon in goal, although compared to others, I don't think he's been as outstanding. I still think he has been showing great leadership and able to, you know, make some excellent saves. But uh, I still think your choice of Cordaz is a inspired one and a top choice because of the heroics he did for Crotone. Um, I've gone with the back four of uh, Husai from Napoli. I don't think many other right-backs were consistent in a back four. Andrea Conti from Atalanta could have played in that role, despite being a wing-back, but injuries hurt him. So, yeah, um, as a, well, my team's in a 4-3-3. So, Husai, um, Milan Skrinja being good for Sump and Inter. Koulibaly, again, a rock in the Napoli defence. Uh, I put Alexandro at left back uh, only because I don't think Spinazzola has played all of 2017 consistently. Otherwise, he was impressive. And, um, yeah, there are a few others that have had uh, injuries like Goulam, so that's why he missed out. My midfield is Nangolan, Torreira and Hemsik. Hemsik, although some passes... Sometimes his performances haven't been as outstanding, especially to the first half of 2017-2018. I still think he he broke the goal-scoring record for Napoli and he's usually an influential player anyway. So uh, I think he still deserves a spot. And my forward line, this uh, caused me a bit of problems because there's so many good options. But for the sake of balance, I've gone with uh, Cajon, Immobile and Papu Gomez. Uh, Again, there are players like... Dybala and Mertens, Icardi, who were influential and prolific. But I think for the sake of balance, I've stuck with those guys and also sometimes the influence on the team too. So that's my team. All right, you've gone with Torreira, so I will... You've made my decision for me, so I'm going to put Kadira in mine instead and just to give him the credit. Nick is shaking his head because he is an argumentative person. Nick, <laughs> what's your 11? Okay, my 11, um, being goalkeeper, I couldn't go past Alex Cordaz. You guys have kind of covered it already, but um, just consistently, every week in, week out, he's required to make some amazing saves. And he's just, I think he is the most consistent goalkeeper in Serie A um, by far in 2017. Um, I've also got Hisai at right back. Um, you know, same reasons as Vito. Milan Skriniar has been a has just been incredible. He was solid at Sampdoria, but the, he's just come leaps and bounds at Inter, and he is proving to be um, he will be a next big um, thing for the next generation of um, players. Um, left back, I've got Alexandro there again. More consistency wise across the whole season, personally, but. If he remained um, healthy, I would have put Fatsi Gulam in there because I think prior to that injury, he was just uh, close to the best. I think I might have said on the podcast, um, in 
you know, speaking about form, he was the best in the world at, uh, at the start of this season. And speaking of Fatsigulam, I just thought I'd kind of mention quickly that I'm just seeing some kind of news that's been breaking that some reports that Manchester United are close to securing his signature with the £53 million pound release clause. Um, I've just seen it come in through one of the UK media outlets, so um, that might be an interesting one to keep in mind. Name, name the media outlet, please. The uh, Metro. Okay, I'll, I won't so, hold um, my breath. Yeah, anyway, just um, keep an eye on that. I, I've literally just seen it come in, and apparently Napoli is looking to sign Alejandro Grimaldo from Benfica so for 26 mil. So anyway, just uh, something to keep an eye on as I've just seen that news come through. Um, midfield, uh, Rajan Angolan and Matic Hamsik, both um, you know, immense players in their respective clubs. Um, this is in a 4 2 3 I sh- uh, 4 2 3 one I should mention. So then the attacking mids, I've got uh, Dybala in the centre there. Paolo Dybala, obviously I can't um, leave him out. Papu Gomez on the left for obvious reasons and Sorry? What? I didn't expect Happy that. From you. I didn't expect that. I'm, I'm, I'm a reasonable and objective person. Um, do you want me to leave it now? Absolutely not, because if you do, I will I find you. you. I can put Perisic in there if you want. No, that's not this, Jelly. Come on, continue. Okay. Um, I've put Dries Mertens in on the right. Obviously, he hasn't been played there for Napoli, but I think he's been... Um, too good to leave out of my eleven, so I put him in there. He's a player that can play in that position and has played in that position for the likes of Belgium. Um, and then to um, to start um, in front, uh, Mara Icardi as um, I think in terms of an out and out striker, a, a target man, you can't really get much better than him. No, fair. Nick, I don't know if it was because of the background noise or if I just switched off as I tend to, but I missed one of your defenders. So I got Alexandra Milan Skriniar and Husai. Who was the the other centre back? Sorry, Caldara. Ah, okay, okay, okay. Right. I might have missed him. So that we we've kind of agreed on a lot of the players. I think Cordaz is getting in the overall team if we were to do one. I think you guys have been very generous with Alexandra. Maybe it's the same thing that I've done with Sami Kadira because he was undoubtedly brilliant towards the back end of last season. But this year, I've been quite disappointed with him. Oh, he hasn't been as outstanding as he was in 2016, 2017. But again, it's a consistency issue. Uh, again, if uh, Spinazzola was still continuing on the right path and also if Gulam was still fit... Um, I reckon one of them two probably would have got the night ahead of Alexandro in my team anyway. To be honest, I think that that left-back kind of position is probably have, have, has the least amount of quality across um, Italy. It's, it is somewhere that's lacking. So I guess the fact that we put Alexandro might have a Even with yeah. Alexandro that you both mentioned and Vito, I believe you mentioned Leonardo Spinazzola, they're both very attacking Wing backs more than fullbacks. So if you are going with a back four, you are very limited with your numbers. Uh, someone we've ridiculously overlooked is just come in the comments of Sergei Milinkovic Savage. Um, we we have given him praise on previous podcasts, and that's the problem with these elevens. You only have by default what two or three roles that he can play in, and he's kind of shown a lot more in recent months. Nick, 
He's my first sub, don't worry. <laughs> coming on in 50, 55 minutes, he's coming on. For Mario Kamsik when he always goes off, so that's fair. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, we're getting a lot of comments in. Um, apparently, Maurizio Zamperini is a better owner than Sheikh Mansour. Um, yeah, let, let's go with that. And Nestorovsky up front it comes in from the same Mohamed Atta. Icardi uh, has been incredible. He needs to be in the team. I think there's general consensus. Vito, why have you left out Mario Icardi? Well, look at the statistics, and uh, I'm pretty sure. Look, okay, for the calendar years, I mean, not the calendar year, the season 2017, 2018 season so far, you'd vote out, you'd vote in a Cardi, but um, I might have to double check the statistics. But Immobile, I think throughout the whole year of 2017, as a calendar year, I think uh, Immobile has been consistent. But again, these are all very narrow things. They're very subjective too. Um, if you were to play a game on the day, I think um, either either way, either choice would be good anyway. I mean, um, the only thing that I would probably say people would pick a Cardi aside from statistics is one, Cardi's probably got a bigger reputation than Immobile. And I think career-wise, although Icardi is three years younger, he's probably been more consistent than Immobile, whereas Immobile has had his fair share of reputation. So I think uh, people just got to look at more than just narratives, reputations and perceptions. We've had a team sent into us here, and I'm, I'm just trying to work it out because I think he's just left out a goalkeeper. I'm just trying to count the... Oh, there we go. Perfect timing, right? So he's gone for Gianluigi Donnarumma in goal which is a big, big, big shout. And the fans, he's got Mattia Caldara, Koulibaly, Skriniar and Federico Fazio. Uh, midfield, Rajan Angolan, Milinkovic-Savic, Pjanic, and then up top, Andrea Bellotti, Mario Cardi, and Dries Mertens. You know, I was thinking about Bellotti, but even last season, his best form was before Christmas. So I think he's, it's probably fair to mention him because he's young, he's Italian, and he's probably got a pretty big future ahead of him. But... I wouldn't be putting him in this team for the calendar year. Donnarumma, guys, discuss. Nick, you can go first. Um, yeah, not, not quite there just yet for me. Um, for his age, obviously, he's doing some amazing things. And, um, he's been in the Italy squad. So, look, he's up there, I would say, but um, quite, not quite that uh, consistent just yet. And um, in terms of delivery of the ball and stuff, I think he's still got a long way to go. A um, couple more seasons on the field, possibly get a shot for my best of Yeah, fair point. Um, a Milan fan has got in touch, which is nice because we're not too kind to Milan on this podcast. I think that's probably fair to say. But he says he loves our podcast, but he wants to see us argue more. So, Nick, you're an idiot. We're getting to the end of the I'm podcast. Trying. I'm trying to argue with you as much as I can. Yeah, I think we've argued a bit here. Right, but I've just noticed how long this has been going on for. We got a bit carried away there at the end, but that was enjoyable. The comments didn't really come in until late enough. But Vito, let everyone know where they can find your writing and all of your social media things. Okay, read my work at Forza Italian Football. Uh, there's my fan page on Facebook uh, as Vito Doria. Then, of course, my Twitter handle is... Uh, Vito C. Doria, and on Instagram, same thing. My name on that is Vito C. Doria. So, yeah, check my workout. 
Excellent stuff. Nick, I, I do find that comment funny because we argue all of the time. I would say our relationship is built on consistent arguing. But let everyone know where they can get you on social media, if you please. Um, I'm on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, at I Love Connor. Um, it's not as real um, as Yes. Um, we should do like background maybe audio because um, they can get the real kind of personal arguments that we have the domestic stuff that we go on about so maybe that'll be better but um, at Nick Z Carroll is on Twitter um, Mohammed is oh, thanks, Mohammed. Of every podcast. yeah feel free I mean the comments and views are, yeah the comments and views are welcome uh, you can get involved in the arguments too if you want I am on Twitter and Instagram at Conjay Clancy. I also have a Facebook page that you can find by looking up my name. Right. Read ForzaItalianFootball.com for all of your Serie A match coverage, news, everything. Follow us on Twitter at Serie A FFC. Like us on Facebook at Forza Italian Football. Give us money by going to Patreon.com forward slash Forza Italian Football. Guys, it's an absolute pleasure to record the first podcast of 2018 with you two beautiful beautiful men but that is all we have time for this week so until next time it's ciao for now ciao for now everyone caliente los muchachos de autogol el papu con dj matrix y ricky go let's go let's go Vale con me.
vuoi ballare la papu dance? Taggate un amico e condividete il video! Baila come il papu! Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.